and welcome to The Mason Jar here on the Circe Institute Podcast Network. I'm David Kern, and coming up, I'm really excited because we're going to bring you a very special episode of The Mason Jar this month. Now, normally in the middle of the month, we bring you a Q&A episode where Cindy answers your questions. Uh, you post them over on the Facebook page, the Facebook uh, Mason Jar group page, and then we answer your questions. Or, you know, really, Cindy answers your questions and I pipe in here and there. Uh, but this month, we're going to bring you uh, Cindy's talk from our conference that we had about one month ago this week. Uh, in the middle of July, we were in Austin, Texas for our annual national conference. And Cindy gave two talks there. And one of them was a morning time immersion. And that's the talk we're going to bring you today. Uh, given all the questions we get about morning time, we thought, why not just bring that talk? Why not just give you that talk for free here on The Mason Jar? It just makes too much sense. So we figured we'd go ahead and do that. So in just a second, we're going to have that for you. Uh, before we do that, I need to, of course, say a quick word from our sponsors this month. Uh, we are very thankful for our relationships with uh, Morning Tide to Eventide and New College Franklin, both of which are, are bringing you this podcast this month. The Mason Jar is specifically brought to you by Morning Tide to Eventide. Um, and J Jennifer and Delaney, the owners of Morning Tide to Eventide, would like to show you their products over at their website, morningtidetoeventide.com. They make beautiful magnetic schedule boards and Christian year paper planners. And they know just about as well as anyone how difficult it can be to balance work, home, church, and homeschooling. And because of their busy lives as print shop owners, they've invented tools to help keep order and peace in the home through their magnetic tactile schedule boards and planners. They know that the struggle is real. We could all use a little help getting and staying organized and with a beautiful planner and schedule board. It's easier and it's a pleasure to plan, schedule, and do the next thing. Their planners even feature original watercolor artwork by Jennifer. So if you want to learn a little bit more, you can obviously just head over to morningtidetoeventide.com. But if you join their Facebook community, you can learn from others about keeping time with the Christian year and getting and staying organized. Morning Tide is also hosting a 60 Days of Devotions challenge, and it's not too late to join in for that. So if you head over to the group, you can find out how to join that. That's their 60 Days of Devotional challenge. Just search in Facebook groups and then type in Morning Tide to Eventide. And again, I say it every month, you know, I figured, what's well, say it again. It's even tide, not evening tide. That's tripped up a few people. Morning Tide is a special coupon just for Mason Jar listeners. If you head over to the website, slash the Mason Jar, so that's morningtide2eventide.com slash the Mason Jar, and subscribe, Jennifer will send you an exclusive coupon just for listening today and subscribing. Again, that's morningtide2eventide.com slash the Mason Jar to sign up and get your coupon. So thanks to Jennifer and Delaney and the crew over at Morning Tide to Eventide for sponsoring the Mason Jar this month. Without them, shows like this would not be possible. Thanks also to New College Franklin, who's sponsoring the entire Cersei Podcast Network this summer. Uh, New College Franklin respects the sacrifices you make as parents and teachers to educate your children in wisdom and virtue. But how do you sustain this during the college years? Through robust exploration of the great books and the classical seven liberal arts in an environment of rich conversation, shared life, and spiritual discipleship, New College continues to build on the foundation that you have laid. New college students grow in wisdom and see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So take the next step in your education or in your student's education and join the conversation in beautiful Franklin, Tennessee. You can head there for a preview weekend or schedule a visit at your own convenience. To learn more, head over to newcollegefranklin.org. That's newcollegefranklin.org. All right, with that, uh, let's 
quickly get you over to Cindy's talk from the conference. Again, this is a, a morning time immersion talk that she gave at the 2017 Circe Conference, which was held in Austin, Texas. If you'd like to learn more about the other talks that uh, were given there, including Cindy's other talk, you can head over to our website, CirceInstitute.org, um, or find us on Facebook, and you'll find you know the information on that pretty front and center. Or you can just head over to our store in a, on our website at CirceInstitute.org, where you can find the disc. We have a disc where all those talks get put on that. Um, and you can stick in your computer or your MP3 player and drag and drop and play them however you want that way. Um, it's not a traditional CD that will fit into a CD player just because it's 40 plus hours of audio on one disc. It's just easier than than duplicating and mailing 42 discs or something, 35 discs or whatever it is. Um, and it makes the, the, the shipping cheaper. We can sell it for a little cheaper than normal and things like that. We used to have to sell them for like 147 but now we can do it for, for much cheaper than that, more than half that. Um, discounted off. Um, and then if you want to, you can also just find downloads of individual talks. Those will be up here in the next few days. Um, so those are a few options if you want to listen. But enough of that. This is Cindy's morning time immersion talk that she presented at the 2017 conference in Austin, Texas. Enjoy and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. So welcome to morning time. How about this? How many of you brushed your teeth this morning when you woke up? This is what I do in morning time, the very first thing. You guys did much better than my usual answer in my family. Apparently, all of you brush your teeth this morning. Um, in my family, for some reason, even though for 30 years I asked that question, um, I still almost every morning had to say, okay, you two go brush your teeth. And then that's, I think maybe that's why they did it, you know, to waste time. But, uh, which, and I always say, I don't, I think that was kind of training them not to do stuff when you're always nagging them about something. You're almost really training them how not, not to do it. But that was, but morning, but our morning time started with a morning meeting where we say, who's going somewhere? Who needs a car today when the kids get older? And just, I'm this kind of person that I really can't worry about what we're going to do tomorrow. Um, I just so we have to have a morning meeting every day. And um, my dad, who was a coach, of course, he would visit us, and we can, he'd always ask us, "Please have morning time while I'm here." And his favorite part was the morning meeting where we, you know, we set out our agenda and we know what the day is. So whenever he would call me, he said, "Did you have your morning meeting today?" And I'd always feel really guilty if, for some reason, we hadn't had our morning meeting that day. Um, but but so I always start with the practicalities, get that stuff out of the way, and then as we move into um, morning time, uh, then we can settle down and we can start with our Bible time. And it always started with Bible time so that, so that some mornings you're going to get through a whole morning time and some mornings you're going to get no farther than Bible. But, um, so if you start there, then, uh, you have, and one thing I did with Bible with my children, when they came to morning time, they'd already read their Bibles on their own as their private personal devotions. And that was just a habit that was built into the day. So, and I wasn't real picky about that. I didn't give them a lot of directions. I just said, you know, and, and sometimes I would say, and I'll do that now. I'll say, okay, anybody want to tell us, did, did anybody read their Bible this morning? Has anybody read their Bible today that, that you want to, what did, do you know what you read? Do you remember what you read? Yeah, I read um, Psalm 103 and 87. Okay, so I might ask them, oh, did, any, did anything uh, hit you in your devotions this morning? And, and, and of course, you don't want to over-spiritualize it or make them, you know, my kids always accuse me of um, trying to pick the most spiritual or the person who'd been the best when I say who's going to pray. Like, they were like, oh, she's just choosing among us. Like, 
um, like to see who's the most holy is or if we were fighting she won't pick us and I'm really sorry about that but it, I don't know how I, I, I wasn't doing that I don't think but that was um, how it, so um, I have a terrible I can't sing I have a terrible voice and I especially don't like that we're recording this but because I want you to sing in your families, even if you have a terrible voice. <laughs> um, I want to take a second and let's open up our morning time by singing the doxology, the just a simple old-fashioned, old 100 um, doxology. But since there are people here who could probably start us on the right key, could, could we start, could you start us? start all the way like by singing the words because <laughs> now I'm like really super intimidated God from whom all blessings flow raise him all creatures here below raise him above sheets that talk about morning time as a liturgy and but they didn't print out properly because um they I, I i was explaining earlier cersei didn't bring my hand out so i forgot them so i had to kind of redo them and it was just the computer wouldn't do them the right way so these are like half a liturgy <laughs> um but at, in my final years of homeschooling um when i finally when people started talking about liturgy it suddenly occurred to me that why morning time had worked was because it was a liturgy and it was a habit and it was something we'd done year after year after year so then i started taking incorporating some things that we did in church because i would no, um i would notice that when we would sing a song in church that we had sang at home my it would draw my kids in they'd be excited they were happy and then later when our we went to a church that would publish what we were going to sing ahead of time we'd always make that our hymn list uh, we'd pick one of those hymns and we'd review those hymns before we went to church but what i did in morning time was um after we would sing an opening doxology or something like that, then we would, um, we, for a few years, a couple years, we started with this prayer of repentance. And other times, and all, we, I would just say, are there any prayer requests? Are there any, and, we, and we would talk about prayer requests. Ideally, it's really, really great if everybody can pray. If you can just go around the room and have everybody pray. If you, when times are, when you're in a hurry and times are, you know, you, it's not, you, it's very tempting to constantly say, well, I'll just pray or you just pray or one person just pray. But ideally, um, over the long haul, um, it's great if everybody can, even if just a sentence, you know, you don't have to have long prayers. Of course, if you're like me, you'll have a lot of people with short prayers. And then the one child that, that this is my chance to, you know, really say everything I want to say, I'll, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Um, but then um, we would have um, the confession, which here on your sheet, if those of you have a sheet, we have the confession um, of repentance. And I really, really like this. I like it in church, and I like it in morning time. When we go to church, and we're in a community, and we take the Lord's Supper, and we're, what we're basically saying is, 
here we are, a bunch of sinners, and we are, we're all um, equal before the Lord, and we are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are all worshiping together in community with one another. And so I like that in my family, too. We're, we all have to have a time of confession. And so um, I, for a while, we, we were kind of memorizing this, but I just left it in morning time. We would say this little prayer in the morning, um, and we can say it um, together as a group, but it goes, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And then we have hymn time. So with our hymns, what we, what we always did, and I just got started on this because when I was in college, a girl taught me to memorize this way. And Andrew had a cool thing with um, talking about um, ideas of how to memorize. But she had a Bible memory thing where you were always learning something new in the Bible and you were always repeat, re- reviewing old things. Well, I just started applying that to everything we were memorized. We were always learning something new and we were always um, reviewing something we'd already learned. Now, as it grew, it took a lot longer to get, you know, circle back around. And kind of funny, it was kind of funny by the end of our homeschooling. A lot of my kids were always reviewing and never learning because we were, they had never learned them originally, but they were always in on the review. So, but, it, you know, they're still hearing that stuff over and over and over again. So, um, so you might sing, um, and, we, and we don't have to keep doing this. We'll just, um, we'll just see how much, I don't want to run out of time. But um, we, might sing, we might sing, um, what I did, if we were learning A Mighty Fortress and say it had four verses, which I think it does have four verses, or you would sing, the first week we would just sing only the first verse. And then the second week we were learning it, we'd sing the first and second verses. And then the third week, you know, so on and so forth until we had memorized the whole song. And then we would also take a moment and review it, a song that we had already learned. And I had a family hymn book, which I, did, I wasn't able to bring. But um, I'll let y'all pass this around, too. Now, let me tell you something. I try to be real. <laughs> I am not someone on the Internet that's going to show you the beautiful work her children or herself did. I'm definitely, um, this is just the reality of how all my stuff looked. Um, here's a morning time sheet. And this is exactly what from the what I did with it. I just wrote all over it and said this was a weekly sheet, or, or you could say it's intended to be a weekly sheet, but often it was. It really didn't matter if this said okay on Monday we're going to be doing this. Well, Monday might have been Thursday. This is just a five day sheet that we rotated, and so that's why I marked it all up. So the next time we came to it, I'd know um, what we did. So so when it says here um, the Revelation song, it has five checks by it. That just means that was the song we were learning. And we did that five days in a row and then the other day. So that was my morning time sheet. So you can look through this notebook. It's really a mess. And I use it for years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And I don't even know what's in here. You might find some really. My read aloud lists, some of them for a few years, are, are tucked in some of these places. Those are kind of awesome. But um, um, you want to start, I'll start here. Um, there, you can look at that while we're reading. Um, then what I would do after we sang our hymn is I'd read the Proverbs of the day, the proverb of the day. And I need my phone. Oh, geez. sorry, David. <laughs> um, 
I really want to do this, so I'm persevering. Oh, there we go. So today is the 21st of July. Um, so I might, on some years, I would just, I might read, um, I'd be reading through Proverbs. Some years I'd be reading through the whole Bible. But um, I might read Proverbs 21 on this day to the kids. And for years and years and years I did this. And boy, did they hide Proverbs in their heart. Um, my kids knew Proverbs really well. Um, but I'll read a little. I'm not going to read the whole chapter here because I don't have time. But usually I would read the whole chapter. But if it was really long, I might just read part of it because I knew we were going to read it again and again and again. Um, and here's what you can do. The, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, I didn't, re- I didn't pre-read this on purpose. Um, haughty eyes and a proud heart and the lamp of the wicked are sin. Do you have haughty eyes and a proud heart? Maybe you do. Maybe you've been really, really bad today and you've had pride in your heart. Yes, yes, that's right. And I've noticed that you have a lot of sin in your life and that it's really harming our family for you to do this. Um, And here's what the Lord showed me about the the lamp of the wicked being sin. Um, the, the, The Bible says the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Um, when you did your chores this morning, it was, you were really hasty. You, um, you, you didn't do a good job. You, you, I had to take you back in there, and you had to sweep over and over and over again. And you can see right here that the Bible tells you not to do that. That is exactly what you do not want to do in morning time. Yeah. I know you guys are like, wow. <laughs> um, the sad thing is, now I didn't do that very well. I did it obvious, um, but subtly we do that all the time when we read God's word to our children. Maybe not quite, quite so pointedly, but I did that with my older boys, and um, and I would always, I, I I felt like, and they would tease me and say, "Oh, you're such a good preacher, Mama." Yeah, I say, I always, I always say, I could have been a preacher, you know, and but that is not what morning time is for. Morning time is not for Mom to be a preacher. It would be much better. Uh, for the child to hear those words about laziness and diligence and let the Holy Spirit work on them, on themselves. They're going to remember that far more. Um, if you start doing that, they're going to start building walls and, and they're, they're not going to be hearing the word of the Lord. Um, so you just really, honestly, you want to quietly read the scripture and let it do its own work and not interpose your ideas. And it's really hard. I mean, there, as Christians, brothers and sisters, there are times when we can share with our children what God's showing us. But we want that to be, we want to keep that a light touch because um, it's just so easy in a homeschooling family to overdo that. Um, after I read, um, for many years, I would do something like read a passage from a Christian living book at this point. And in the style of Charlotte Mason, I would only read um, a very short amount. I would not go on and on with something um, um, really hard. So I want to read this passage right now from John Piper's book, 
don't waste your life. And this is one of the cool things about this passage is John Piper in this passage is a little preachy. And um, your kids might be more open to someone else's preaching than yours. So uh, if you want to preach, preach through a book where, you know, and don't say anything, you know, don't, because the minute you say, now listen to this. Um, <laughs> that. But he says, my father was an evangelist. In fact, he still is, even though he doesn't travel now. When I was a boy, there were rare occasions when my mother and sister and I traveled with him and heard him preach. I trembled to hear my father preach. In spite of the predictable opening humor, the whole thing struck me as absolutely blood earnest. There was a certain squint in his eye and tightening of his lips when the avalanche of biblical texts came to a climax and application. Oh, how he would plead. Children, teenagers, young singles, young married people, middle-aged, old people. He would press the warnings and the wooings of Christ into the heart of each person. He had stories, so many stories for each age group. Stories of glorious conversions, stories of horrific refusals to believe, followed by tragic deaths. Seldom could those stories come without tears. For me as a boy, the most gripping illustration my fiery father used was the story of a man converted in old age. The church had prayed, prayed for this man for decade, decades. He was hard and resistant. But this time, for some reason, he showed up when my father was preaching. At the end of a service during a hymn, to everyone's amazement, he came and took my father's hand. They sat down together on the front pew of the church as the people were dismissed. God opened his heart to the gospel of Christ, and he was saved from his sins and given eternal life. But that did not stop him from sobbing and saying as the tears ran down his wrinkled face, And what an impact it made on me to hear my father say this through his own tears. I've wasted it. I've wasted it. So I might just read a really, really short passage like that and just leave it at that. Now, I might ask for a narration. I might say, can anybody tell me what happened in that passage? And I think that was a... You can see by the fact that that passage was short and that it would be easy to give a narration on it. And I won't embarrass anybody here by asking for a narration. If I do, I'll ask you because I know you're good at it. <laughs> but um, I pra- practiced at it. Um, but you can see why a passage like that, even though it is a little preachy, would be not be that hard. Number one, I didn't read a whole bunch, a long passage. And number two, it was very narrative. So it would be easy to narrate that passage. Um, and so that's the, that would be what I do really quickly. Just ask someone what happened in that passage and then move on. And then we move on to Bible memory. And at this point, we, uh, we might do some, like, once again, we're going to review a verse. That we're going to be learning a new passage, and we're going to be reviewing an old passage. Now, one of the things I did, and I'll do this with Psalm 23, is that um, with Psalm 23, anytime you can... I, I, all I did for memorization was just read things over and over and over again every day. Maybe leave out some words here and there and let the kids, you know, they would be excited to fill in the blank. Everybody, you know, that is that whole thing about when there is if something is left... Um, blank, we fill it in. So you can say, you know, the Lord is my, and without even thinking, your kids will say shepherd, um, just like we all do. So that, that's a good way to memorize it. But with the Lord, with the Psalm 23 and some of these things, you can do like hand movements. You can do some things. Um, in our family, we did, um, we just started, and, and you just, it doesn't have to be something professional. We would just do, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Oh, yes, we'll see that. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, that really, those, when, anytime you can do those hand, anything like that, th- those kids will remember that a lot better. Um, and, and you'll remember it better, and it's, it's much easier to do. But I also like to memorize whole passages and not just isolated Bible verses. I think when you get the flow of Scripture in your heart, you can memorize really long passages by just reading them over and over and over again. And you don't, it's not a struggle. You're not trying, you know, to memorize. It's just a natural way. So that means we might have to read that passage every day for eight weeks or, or three months or whatever. We're not in a hurry to get in as much as we possibly can. Um, we're taking our time and we're reading the Word of God over and over again. And now I might read something like John 1 um, because we're reviewing it. Now let's review John 1. And we would read what we'd already memorized in John 1. And at that point, you know, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm starting out the kids and letting them do as much of it as they can by themselves. And you know what? I'm never, I was never about memorization being something that uh, the goal was to get something word perfect because number one I'm wanting the, the words to be in their heart I'm wanting the ideas to be there and I'm wanting them to process and think through it but but to have something down word perfect was it really irrelevant and you know my kids that struggled I had some kids like we would do um, one of my sons we would do the, um, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. Well, he would always, he, when he would memorize something, he'd say, well, there came about that, well, Joseph and Mary went to uh, Bethlehem. And he always got the concepts, but he never, ever really memorized word perfect. But if you talk to that child today, he seems to remember more than any of his other siblings as far as the whole concepts and what was going on. And sometimes we forget that because, you know, we have our star students who can, can do all these things, rattle them off very easily. But sometimes it's these other kids that are benefiting the most because they are kids that aren't going to pick up some of this stuff on their own. But in our group and in our morning time, they're being filled with words and ideas. And they can come back and, um, and later on they can... Um, they can have those in their heart in ways that you just really did not see coming. And, and that's been a huge blessing for me to see how, um, even as I'm so frustrated with a child, that he's still learning and still getting so much out of it. And, and I have kids that people say, oh, that's your intellectual. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> that kid is not an intellectual. <laughs> but, um, but he is, because ideas have consequences and the ideas that we give to our children they bear fruit in their lives okay now i'd like to you to take the painting that i passed out and let's take about one minute and i would like you to just look at that painting for a whole minute or so and just see what you can remember about it just see as much as you can um Well, it's on my computer for sure.
Okay, turn the painting over and um, what did you see? Does anybody remember? What, what did you see? What do you remember from the painting? There was a kid dancing on the table in the background. Okay, there was a kid dancing on the table. Do you remember anything? There were both boys and young girls in the Okay, room. mixed company in there. What about you? Okay, birdcage, all right. Um, there's like an old woman like at the table, like children gathered around. Okay, what about you? There's an owl on the Okay, owl, yes, very good. Okay, what colors did you guys see? Lynn, what, do you have any colors you saw? I saw a lot of rusty orange. Okay. Yellow. Yeah, I saw some yellow and orange, a lot of beige. Okay. Any other colors? Just light brown. Mm hmm. Yeah, the blues were pretty, I thought, in that painting. Very white. Okay, a lot of white. What about, um, did anybody, could anybody tell me what they think is going on in that painting? You want to tell me, Lynn? Go ahead. I think it's the old woman who lived in a shoe who's homeschooling her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty close. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, we can relate to him very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a pub or like some public house. Where, right. I mean, there's a lot of children present, but it isn't just children. But you see, like some, I guess, some eating. But then the children are occupying themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so somebody's sleeping. All right, that is a painting by Jan or Jean. It's a Dutch painter, Steen. Um, I asked my friend Jeanette um, if she would suggest a painting, and um, I don't know if any of you know Jeanette, but Jeanette suggested this painting. Um, her daughter is actually an artist in New York City, so I always trust whatever she says about art. Um, this, the artist, S-T-E-E-N, and his, his, he was 1626 to 1679. And this painting is called A School for Boys and Girls. <laughs> and he obviously is saying something about what he thinks about education. <laughs> it's not merely a lighthearted view of a chaotic classroom. There's no feeling of all that everybody's just, you know, really learning, having a good time in their own way. It, de it demonstrates, I thought this was interesting, and this comes from the, um, where it, the, the actual museum. She took a picture of the, what it said in the, um, the, the heritage, some museum. I can't see where, where she was. Jeanette's been to every museum in the world. So, um, but it shows the evils of inattentiveness in a school without discipline. The moral is emphasized by two features in the painting. A print of the great scholar Erasmus, which is discarded onto the floor at the right, and a child who offers a pair of spectacles to the owl near the lantern, illustrating the Dutch proverb, what use are glasses or light if the owl does not want to see? So I thought that was a really good painting. And, um, and I thought, so, and that is one way, I, if you do that little exercise with kids, and you don't have to take a long time to do it, and you wouldn't do that every day, you wouldn't do a painting study every day, but if you just let them study the painting, look at it, and then come back and, and, and turn it over, and then you can kind of go back and forth a little bit, um, that's a great way to do a little bit of picture study. You can also read biographies of the artist. 
Um, um, you, and of course, you know, I know, I know you probably all know, I used all of Ambleside Online's um, term suggestions for composers and for artists, and they will, they will link to the artwork. And, and I was telling people when they first came in, this little painting that I gave you, somebody on the Mirror Motherhood site suggested if you wanted to have paintings for a large group, you can just download the painting and you can, t like I uploaded it to Walgreens and they gave me those copies. I paid $8 for 30 copies and those are very small, but if you wanted a large copy of this painting, you could get whatever size you wanted. Sometimes I would hook my computer into our large screen TV and just put it on my computer. Yes, screen, yes. And then it would be up there, so I didn't even have to do that. But that's yes, option yes, and you, yes, good that. idea, very good idea. So, so you can do that. Um, let's see what time it is so I can see. All right. Um, now, after this, at this point, so we've done we've done Bible, we've done some singing. Um, at this point in time, I get to Shakespeare, and I, I do this before I do the regular memory, memorization of, of poetry and memory work because I let my older boys leave uh, when they um, when they're done when we're done with Shakespeare and Plutarch because at this point they're getting very antsy. We've taken a long time, and they don't need to review all these poems they've already reviewed over and over and over again. And I just let them go. I mean, you kind of have to that you kind of have to feel that out. If you have a really, really resistant child who's ruining it for everyone, and he is getting up there in age, it's just better to let that child go. It's very, very hard for mom to do that. Somebody was telling me they have they have a hard time having morning time because they were having it with all their family. Now their 17 year old was going to work every day and wasn't there. That is really, really hard when you've been used to doing things as a family. It's so hard to keep doing them when when somebody leaves. You just something in your heart just wants to wait for that person, and it, you can't. They're leaving. <laughs> they're growing up. They're going away, and you have to let go. And you don't want to hurt the other children by um, not doing something good for them because you you miss that other that that person. These are hard things <laughs> about being a mother. Um, but I'm going to pass out a little scene from. I'll, I'll let you guys pass that around. This is from a Midsummer Night's Dream. It's just, I, I did a real, what I do for Shakespeare is I do one act, one scene, just one scene a day. Some of the scenes are extremely short, so you might want to do two. But for, if you read one scene of Shakespeare every school day, uh, you're going to get through three plays a year easily and maybe four. Um, it's, and, it, it just, it, it's, and it's not a huge chunk of time. Um, it's helpful when you approach Shakespeare to already know the story. So you want to have read some sort of synopsis of the story. Either um, I like Inez, but a lot. Some people don't like her as much as Charles Lamb. I love Charles Lamb but, uh, and Mary, but um, I, for some reason, I, his language is a little more archaic and, and for kids. And I think the, the Nesbitt um, synopsis are great. The viewers had like 15 year olds. I would I would always do the synopsis first. Okay, okay. I mean, even if, even if I just got on Wikipedia okay. and read a synopsis, I would do some sort of synopsis first when you hit it. You can even watch the play first. So, nowadays, there's so many um, great productions of a play, especially a play like A Midsummer Night's Dream, that you can watch a production of the play, then you can start reading it scene by scene, and then you can watch another production at the end. Now, it's, you can't really for, do, fit that in morning time. You're, you're going to have to find some time, like after school, or you know, to watch the production of the play. But ultimately, um, 
All I do when I read Shakespeare is, and, and I, I, you can look over this thing. This is from A Midsummer Night's Dream. And it's Act 5. It's the play within the play. The, 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 the funny guys are coming together, and they're going to give the king, in honor of the king, they're doing this play, and they're doing Pyramus and Thisbe. And they, they just are real funny guys. And the king is Theseus, and his friend is Demetrius. And um, so I would just read the parts, and I'll do this for you in a second. The other option, which you guys have that we really didn't have before, is you can get an uh, audio version of, of the actual play, and you can get a, a cheap copy of the play, and you, can, and you can look at the words while you listen. Because it's hard. I notice, I love audios of Shakespeare, but you don't know who's saying what. You don't know who's talking at any given moment unless you really know the actors well. So it helps to have the words in front of you. But if you just wanted to read the play, either, you're, you could, either the people in your family could read it and you could take turns doing parts, which is a little complicated and can make you like quit because, you know, by the time you, by the time you give everybody a part and you started, you've taken a whole bunch of time. Or mom can just say, Theseus, I wonder if the lion be to speak. Demetrius, no wonder my lord, one lion may when many asses do. Well, okay, now I didn't even realize that, but now we have a bad word and everybody giggles. Um, <laughs> so, um, and, then, and then your kids think, oh, she's kind of a cool mom. She just read that word. <laughs> so, um, and now the wall speaks. The wall is um, one of the characters. In this same interlude, it doth befall that I, one snout by name, present a wall. And such a wall as I would have you think, that had it in it crannied, hole, or chink, through which the lovers, Pyramus and Thisbe, did whisper often very secretly, This loam, this rough cast, and this stone doth show, that I am that same wall, the truth is so. And this the cranny is, right and sinister, through which the fearful lover, lover, lovers are to whisper. And he's holding up his fingers um, to be the, the chink in the wall. Theseus. Now the king's watching this and he says, Would you desire lime and hair to speak better? Demetrius, it is the wittiest partition that, I have, that ever I heard discourse, my lord. And then it goes on from there. And it's a really funny scene. I, I didn't have time to read the whole thing. But um, it's one, one, of my cheap, one of the joys of my life was when the first time I read Shakespeare to my kids, I read A Midsummer Night's Dream. And when I did, they laughed at all, all the right things and, and really made me happy. And this was way after. I read Susan Schaefer Macaulay's For the Children's Sake. And, and so I had my child. My son was two, um, my, my oldest. And he may have been four. My second one was two. But anyway, um, after I, 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 the thing I really wanted was to read Shakespeare to my children. But I didn't. And then my son was 12 or 13 or 14. And I got... Um, I was able finally to get enough nerve. That was when Ambleside came out, and they kind of reinvigorated me. And I sat, I pulled them all outside, and every afternoon, one summer, we read um, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and it was such a success that I never stopped. From then on, I just read one scene a day, one scene a day, one scene a day. And I didn't read it well. Um, yes? So, right at the beginning, like, when would you start? Like, age? Yeah, I think that you can start... Um, like I have an 11-year-old student now, and if I, I don't, I'm not able to have morning time with him. But I could start it with him. I have read a Midsummer Night's Dream to him in the original. Um, if I'm having morning time, and like say my oldest is 11, I would just start reading one scene a day, and 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 the little kids will love it. You'll see that they will they will cling on to that. They'll catch on very quickly, and they might even love it more 
than the older kids at that point who are like, oh, what is she doing that for, you know? But, but um, so I would start then, and I would just slowly read it. I wouldn't worry if they liked it. I wouldn't worry if they um, thought it was a great idea. Uh, and I wouldn't read too much. I would just read it every single day. And, and then you could ask them, you could, you could either give a synopsis when you're done. It, it doesn't hurt to do this, to say, okay, that was, so there, like I did in the middle of that, I said, so now the king is going to speak. Or, you know, you, you don't have to be afraid of giving little hints along the way. That's not, not over-teaching it. Um, because you want them to have understanding. Uh, but, but you, you um, also don't want, and there's going to, yeah? I was just going to pick up on something she said. Because a friend of mine has been doing what you suggested, based on your suggestion from your book, yeah. about doing plays with Shakespeare. And she's got a book off of Amazon online that um, it's by a man named Brendan Kelso. And he takes the Shakespearean language and puts it into children's. And I'm talking like yeah, like grade. Right. They can, they can read it, they can act it out. And he still keeps some of the integrity of the original language in certain places. But just as an introduction, so if you're starting out early and you wanted some place to start, that would be good. I think I'm, there's a really beautiful Hamlet that I saw that was done like that. It's just a retelling, but it was very well done. If, if, and that would be a good one to start with before you read the original. Um, I don't think there's a danger because I look at it like this. My younger children, my son Christopher, we ha- were having morning time when he was a baby. He was in morning time. His bassinet was in the living room on the floor. It didn't ha- its legs were gone because we'd had so many kids <laughs> it was down on the floor. But um, he, I always remember him popping his little head up and looking around while we're having morning time and just, you know, having a really good time. He was a good kid. He's always been a good kid, and some of them are. <laughs> but, um, but um, and, he, and he's a really smart kid now. I mean, I don't think it's because he was in morning time. We were talking to another mom earlier. You know they are what they are a lot of times. But you, we could pretend that Christopher's really smart because he was in morning time from the very beginning. And, here, and he heard Shakespeare, and he heard Plutarch, and he heard the, But he did. He heard all these things from the time he was a baby. Obviously, he wasn't going to narrate what, what he was hearing, but he was hearing a lot of language that, that's why I like the King James Bible so much. They hear that. They just get that beautiful language in their heart. And that's so, so important. Um, and then after Shakespeare, for years I did Shakespeare and then Plutarch and then Shakespeare and then Plutarch. Like I would finish a Shakespeare play and then I'd read a lot, one of the lives of Plutarch. And um, towards the end, I got so attached to Plutarch and I was so attached to Shakespeare that I would just do both. Um, I, but with Plutarch... Um, I would only read a small, small um, little bit every day. Um, here, I'm going to read a little quick paragraph from the Dryden Cloud version. Um, actually, this is not from the Dryden Cloud version. This is North, but I like the Dryden Cloud. I think it's Cloud. It may be Clough, for all I know. But um, um, this is. I'm going to read one paragraph, real, not the whole thing. Um, but I want to see. I want to show you how difficult this is and and talk about it. Now, these are Greek words and these are Greek names and I'm not going to stress about them. I'm not going to get too worried about whether I'm pronouncing the words right. There is a, um, I always said Alcibiades, which is completely wrong. Um, This is um, Alcibiades. 
Alcibiades. Alcibiades. Um, that is how you say it. But my kids don't even know that to this day, probably. So, um, but I did get that finally worked out. But and, and there's Ann White study guides, which are wonderful. Um, if you need hand holding, Ann can hold your hand, and, and she's a, just a wonderful person. Um, and, and I used her study guides when I first started. Um, but then I, all I was doing was reading a tiny bit of Plutarch each day. I wasn't reading masses of Plutarch. So, um, But here's the first thing of this Al, uh, Alcibiades. Alcibiades, by his father's side, was anciently descended of Eurysaces. That was the son of Ajax, Ajax, and by his mother's side of Alcameon. For his mother, Dinamaca, was the daughter of Megacles. His father, Clinius, having armed and set forth a galley at his own proper costs and charges, did win great honor in the battle by sea that was fought along the coast of Artemisium, and he was slain afterwards in another battle fought at Coronea against the Boeotians. Now, that was a lot of stuff, and if, you, I, if I asked you to narrate that, you would probably have a hard time. Nobody could really, a lot of names and stuff, but... What happened there was you just heard a lot of Greek words. You heard a little bit about some, some things that they did. They were in boats. I mean, they, and your children might need to know what a galley is at that point. What's a galley? Um, but, but I feel like there's something there that you've picked up about the world and about life, even though you couldn't, we don't have a clue, you know, at that, after that, that couple sentences, what actually is going on. No, no, no. If I get to something really alarming, I just, I'm a really good skipper over why I'm reading. Oh, okay. and, and if I, if I accidentally fall into the fact that the next word is going to be, he raped her, um, I will say, and he, and, and, and my kids didn't catch on to this till much later. And he left and went somewhere else. And you really, <laughs> um, so, so I would self-edit as I went. I mean, you can pre- now, ideally, of course, if, if, if I'm teaching teacher training, we're saying, oh, now we're going to study this ahead of time. But what I really want you to do is read it to your children. And I know that if it's an ordeal that you have to study it ahead of time, then you're never going to read it to your children. So, so now if we get down to the second paragraph, and I'm just going to read one sentence from, from Plutarch now. Now, Alcibiades, beauty, it may no matter if we speak not of it, yet I will a little touch it by the way. For he was wonderful fair, being a child, a boy, and a man, and that at all times, which made him marvel, marvelous amiable. Now, I might stop at that point. Now, that was one sentence. I love that. I just love it. And when you're talking about um, with your kids about grammar, you can pull Plutarch out and say, uh, what, how far, how long, how could, how could we make this sentence go on? Because Plutarch can make a sentence go on and on and on by adding prepositional phrases. You know, he, who at all times, being fair, uh, being a child, a man, he, made marvel- he was marvelously amiable. You just add, 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 add. But when you get to the end of that sentence. With Plutarch, you're just going to read a little bit. You might read one paragraph, but you might stop after that sentence and say, well, what, what is this sentence saying? Does anybody know what that sentence was saying? I know I, I said it a minute ago. Does any, anybody want to tell me what that sentence was actually kind of saying? He was handsome yes. So he was a handsome, nice guy. Um, so right away we know, we, and we can stop and just say that. And if you want to talk about amiable and what it means in, in the, you know, how, you know, lo- to love and being friendly and, con- you know, that you can do that. Um, but you don't have to. 
Um, and then you can go on and maybe read, and, and, and I would not read more than this of Plutarch a day. I, in fact, I would probably have read this paragraph the one day and this paragraph the next day. Um, I'm not in a hurry to get through Plutarch. I'm just only filling their minds with a little Plutarch every day. So there's no, you know, goal that we're, we're reaching. I did it each day at the end after I fell in love with it. Um, you, it. It's certainly not a requirement to do it every day, and I wouldn't feel burdened down that I had to do it every day. But if you do it a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit, then I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so because we don't have time to reread, uh, pre-read everything you do with our children. Right. Especially with Plutarch and Shakespeare. What right. What I found is my kids get frustrated. I said, Mom, I have no clue what is going on. Right. And then I get frustrated thinking I don't either. Right. And then at that point, I think, is this too much for them? Or it, do you just keep going and let them hear the word, um, whether you understand it or not? I think there's two things. You can slow down and read less and stop and say, what was he saying there? And, try to, and all of you figure it out together. Um, or you can just plow through and let it do whatever work it's going to do. Um, I've done both of those things. I've said, okay, what, what is he saying there? And, and it can be a lot of fun to do that, to stop and say, well, what is he saying? And, well, he said this, this, and this. And, you, and, and you, really you're working on a logic construction of what this, what's going on in this sentence because I don't, I, just on the first reading, I don't really, I don't really understand it. And that can be fun. Or, or you can start out with some information ahead of time if you, if you really know, if you have time and you can say, okay, I, there's a galley in this and we're going to talk, you know, galleys or ships and, you know, that kind of thing. Or I can tell. But as far as, you don't really, it doesn't matter if they don't remember this guy's name and that guy's name and what his mother's name is and all those things because that's not what they're after. They're still getting the feel that these are Greek people. They had these, or Romans, and they had these sensibilities and they thought like this and these this was their value system, and this is what they cared about. And, and, and these are the things that humans care about. And in and, and, and our time, we care about whether someone's amiable or not, and, and the Greeks and the Romans also cared if someone was amiable. Those, that was an important thing at that time. Um, so um, I, I would not burden myself with... I did those things every day because I like them. So, But don't feel the burden. I wouldn't burden myself down if I wasn't ready for that. But I would always be reading Shakespeare and Plutarch in some way. Um, after that, I would let my... Of course, I want my, my high school kids in for that. Now I let them go. You may leave. And then we start doing the poetry. We do... Um, we do... The same thing. We're reviewing a poem that we've already learned from our list of poems we've already learned. And I have a notebook that I just start at the end, finally. In the very early days, it was like, where's that poem book that we memorized this from? And, you know, we would go searching all morning time was searching for the book that this was in, that was in. But finally, I put everything in a notebook, and we just turned to the next page. Okay, we're reviewing this poem today, and this poem, and this poem, and this poem. And then we have a new poem that we're learning. Now, when your kids get older, if they move out of morning time, you might still want to be assigning them poetry. At that point, I would suggest that you have um, a recitation. And you can even do this on top of your memorization in morning time. You could schedule a recitation night with families that you know, maybe six weeks in advance. And then you can just let your kids pick what they want to memorize for that because at that point they're going to be more motivated if they have a little. But if you pick a theme like humor or um, you can pick Shakespeare, you can pick patriotism, uh, you can pick a theme and everybody can pick a poem and then they're super self-motivated. And you don't have to do that in morning time at all. You're just, that's just 
something on the side. Um, but um, sometimes I would, I would read a poem from this book called um, one of the classic hundred poems. The reason I like this book is if you don't know a lot about poetry, um, he tells at the end of, he explains some of what the poem was doing. So he has this poem, Why So Pale and Wan, Fond Lover? Why so, prithee, why so pale? Will, when looking well, can't move her? Looking ill, prevail? Prithee, why so pale? I always love that poem. <laughs> um, and, um, and then he goes on to say, this was composed in 1637, um, and, and like fear no more the heat of the sun, and when icicles hang by the wall by Shakespeare, um, this little piece is a song from a play. So then he says at the bottom he tells you what the, the mechanics of, our, of, of the poem are. Five line stanza arranged in tetrameter, trimeter. Uh, I can't say those words because I get, for some reason, I cannot get the um, emphasis on the right thing. And it's A, B, A, B, B. And do you understand what I mean when I say that? A, B, A, B, B. So it's why so pale and fond, fond lover, A. Prithee, why so pale, B. Um, And then you just, each time you hear a new sound, you give it another letter. Um, So anyway, um, if you need hand-holding, this is a great book for poetry. It's called... The classic hundred poems. He even has the classic five hundred poems. And you, if you even get this for yourself and just read one page a day or one poem a day, and what he says about it, you'll learn a lot about poetry, and it'll it'll really help you. William Harmon is the editor. So I'll pass this around. Here, I'll start on this end this time. That's my notebook. Yes, yes. Um, I have a, a notebook, and then I have a poetry notebook also. And then I had a hymn. I made family hymn books eventually where we had four family hymn books with all our hymns in them. Um, and at the end, I think we had 119 hymns. I had taken out a few that I didn't like anymore. And then um, that was 119 songs over the years that we had, we had sang together as a family over and over and over again. Yeah, I, with the poems and stuff, I just said, this is what we're going to do right now, and I put it on that sheet that was going around. I don't know if you saw that chart. Um, and then um, when we got to the end of, when I saw that we were about done with one poem, I'd just pick out another one. Um, for the Shakespeare, the Plutarch, the composer, and the artist, I would plan three terms a year per, via Ambleside, and I would put, sometimes I'd move it around like we already did this, or we already did that, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. But um, I would make a file, and I think there is a file in that morning time notebook going around that shows my terms for the year. Um, so, but I didn't really worry. Like, okay, it's term one, and we're or term two is started, and we're still, let's say, we're still reading uh, Hamlet. Um, okay, so what? I may not end up with three Shakespeare plays this year. I may kind of trail into next year. Um, that's why I wasn't always right on tracking tracking with Ambleside completely, because I I just did. I just just kept going. I didn't worry about whether my term was behind or ahead, you know. So um, then I, I highly recommend doing folk songs with your children. And I talked about that in my last talk about the DNA of music and his, the history that is passed on to your children through reading folk songs. Um, um, strange things happen. You're reading, what is this? Are you going to Scarborough Fair, Parsley Sage, Rosemary and Thyme? You know, what kid isn't going to be working that out in his mind? Um, those are what, what, some of this, the chivalrous shark, you know, it's a funny tale. 
and it's weird. <laughs> and, and who wrote this and why? And, and, and just so many things happen in your mind when you're reading these old songs, and it's really transferring history um, t- to you. Um, so, so that's um, that's some of the things we do. Um, there's. I, Oh, for, for, for sources for, yeah, I, I just use Amoside. And then I had, years ago, I bought the CD. They were selling the, the Homestead Pickers. But I think, honestly, there's better versions of most of the songs. The Homestead Pickers were really twangy, kind of. But, <laughs> um, but there are some pretty good versions of some of the songs that, that are out there. And some of the songs are just so beautiful. And and, um, and some aren't so beautiful, but there's still there's still this transferring to culture and, and inexplicable ways that are going on when we learn these folk songs. You know what? We sing them the whole term or the whole month. If you do it a month at a time, and I don't stress over whether they memorize them or not. Um, they. Music file on Ambleside too, so the tune as well as the lyrics. Yeah, or I would get yeah, yeah, uh, and sometimes like I taught last year with Jeanette, my friend Jeanette, and she was always real snobby about oh I don't like that tune or I don't like that version, so she would go find the perfect version uh, on YouTube. I was generally just satisfied to just find any version on YouTube, but um, but you could if you really have a good ear, you might want to look around. But usually Ambleside, there's a lot of musicians on Ambleside that pick those links. So usually they're pretty good links. So Spotify, yeah. And people put the whole list, don't they do the whole year on Spotify? They have the composer, like if you see this, if you Google, I don't know if you search on Spotify by Ambleside, I don't know how you would do it, but you can find the composer list for the I mean I made my I actually made my own composer list with the Ambleside links on Spotify and people would follow me and like I don't even know how they found those, but um, Yes, we did do some Latin songs. And sometimes uh, uh, Memoria Press has that great uh, singing program, Latin singing program. And we did do that. And, and, and that was another way where your, your kids are hearing things, they're processing, they're putting in their mind. Okay, so they don't understand all the time, but their mind is, is working on that stuff in ways that you don't even know. But I think it's very valuable to do that in other yeah, languages. Yeah, I mean, just one of your songs, a term, you can do it in another language. I like to do, you know, the Latin hymns at Christmas. Those are fun. So, like, when you're saying folk songs or Latin songs or just any kind of random, like, like in that place. Yeah. The Latin songs would be in place of the folk song that particular day. Yeah, you could do the Latin song for, um, for the... For, for, Switch it out, and yeah. for a term, you for a month or whatever, do do a Latin song or a French song or, or whatever it is that you want to do. So all of this is taking place before lunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now this sounds. This is why I'm trying to say you are not belaboring any of this. Right now we're belaboring it. Um, you are just moving through this at a clip. You're not fooling around. You're not. The only thing that really slows it down is when you get to the read aloud section, because I would read aloud like three or four books at the end. Um, when you have the kids narrate back, if you have kids that are very verbal, that can really take some time. So I, I, you might not have them narrate every single book you're reading. You might just have one narration a day, one person, one narration. But always, with, if morning time with narration, it's always good not to let them know who's going to narrate because you want to you spring it on them. <laughs> so, so, 
So then after we do all the memory work, and we would do we would do some miscellaneous memory too, like the Declaration of Independence. That's what I was gonna ask. So you had all the um, the amendments, Jake. They yeah. Yes. Yeah, so no. Yes. Yeah, so we did the amendments. The, the, we would do the first ten amendments. Not. We didn't go get through all of them. And so. And there's also. And there's also something cool you can do in morning time. There's on this. There's a civics somewhere online. It's like the United States government. It's like a civics test. You could read one of those questions today, not to memorize, but ju- it'll say. Uh, uh, you know who was the first president of the United States? It's it's actually for the 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 test that people take. It's a study guide, but it's a great thing to go over with your kids one little question a day at a time to get get some civics in. Uh, so that can be done in morning time, um, and, and then um, I would at the very end of the last maybe ten years of morning time, I started doing grammar in morning time, um, and I started doing it um, with these Michael Clay Thompson practice books. And I would just put one sentence on the board. I only bought the teacher's edition. I did not buy the workbook. So here we have a sentence that my, I put this on the whiteboard. And um, so this, this is a pretty long sentence. But to cover his own discomfiture, he turned upon the inoffensive and wailing Billy. Now, this is the harder book. This is, like, for the older kids. Um, but if you get one of the, the easier book, the first one, Practice Island, this may not be the first one. Um, the winner of the fishing contest is she. So this is a great sentence because then you can talk about why would you use she there instead of um, her. Um, but I put that on the board, and the first thing we do is just go through the words, and I'd under, I, we'd say, well, what is the in this sentence? And it's an adjective. Um, and if you don't know what the word is in the sentence, well, you have the teacher's edition right here, and it tells you what the word is in the sentence. And, and you learn a lot of grammar that way. And, it really, and then you tell, it tells you down here on this level, are there any prepositional phrases or any um, other kind of phrases in the sentence? And when you pull those out, it really starts to make sense out of it. So you look at what the parts of speech are. You look at the very pra- phrases. And then, um, and then you, you find your subject. You find your predicate, meaning your main verb and your main, your main noun and your main verb. And then, and then he talks a little bit about the poetics of the sentence. Like if it, now, I think he does a little too, he's a little too, too about the assonance and the consonant and, you know, the sounds. Like, oh, the person used two words that started with C. We obviously have a pattern going on here. And um, instead of, well, that, you know, he just accidentally um, have, happened to have. Some of his books, like this book, all comes from literature. All the sentences come from great literature. Uh, Michael Clay Thompson. And it's... Uh, the, I love these books, though. They, and so, so this a lifetime of doing one sentence a day is a lot of grammar, and it's a lot more grammar than if your if your kid is struggling through a workbook. Uh, it's just a lot easier. It's a lot less stressful, and it, it, it helps them to think organically about words and sentences rather than inorganically being having having it being applied to them in a way that they're not listening and they aren't learning. Absolutely, absolutely. It it was enough to be honest with you. I mean, if you want to, at the end, put an eighth grader through a, a through a grammar course at that point. But why should that eighth grader have been doing grammar, 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 grammar for eight years uh, when he could do this? And by the time he takes that grammar course, it, he will understand what he's doing, and he won't just be applying it to. And he's just like, what? I don't even know what this is. Um, and, and, and he's not bored. He's not sick of grammar. He, he may have actually come to love it at that point. Uh, so you might want to run through a grammar program at the end or, you know, at some point.
also by doing this here, younger kids are learning from their older kids. I would always go to my older kids and have them ask the pointed questions first, or I'd start with stuff I've already done with the younger kids and then build up in complexity. And the younger kids are sitting there and they may not know what's going on, but all of a sudden, I remember one of my kids all of a sudden going, that's a propositional phrase! And they never taught it. He just kind of soaked it in and he did this every day and then he listened to his older kids. Now, we don't have a lot of time, and I want to end up real quick here. Um, I let my kids do nature notebooks while, we were reading, while I was reading aloud. At this point, I'm going to read three or four books aloud, maybe a child's history of the world, a, sp a history spine to all my kids. That's freeing up time again. Every, we do that history spine together, and then they can read other books, other things on that level on their own level at different times from lists that I gave them. Um, these, the people who actually in my family did beautiful nature notebooks actually took them when they left home. Um, <laughs> these are the people that did not need to take their nature notebooks, <laughs> uh, including my own nature notebook, which I started a couple years ago. It's not beautiful. Um, I, I never wanted, and I did some of the, um, the drawing textbook in here, so it looks really badly um, bad. Um, but um, I had a really great picture. I did a painting, and I took it out to show somebody, and now it's my only good piece in here is gone. But these are a couple nature notebooks. So while I'm, I'm reading aloud, they're looking, they're looking at field guides. All, we have tons of nature books in our house. They pick a nature book. It has to be nature, although you can see there's a reason why I kept saying it has to be nature because sometimes it would be like a house or a building or, you know. So they would do that while I read aloud, and, and you can look at those and, um, if you want. Um, and then we read aloud, and I'm going to end this session right here um, with reading aloud uh, a little bit. Did you make them um, yes, you could do that. Um, and sometimes they would, like when we did Shakespeare, my kids would pick up Legos and be like, you know, he's talking, he's talking, he's talking. And, and then they would really, so even the, the little ones especially would be doing that. And they wouldn't even know what's going on, but they know this guy was talking now, this guy's talking. And they would just, they would do that. So I would always let them be busy with their hands if they wanted to be. I mean, obviously your older kids are not usually going to be busy with their hands. But your younger kids are going to be sitting on the floor. We, we would build with even the blocks, the little, what are those ones, the same size blocks are all the same, the little planks, the planks. Um, and they made a little bit of noise. Okay, it interrupts. Sometimes I have to go to the restroom or I forgot to eat breakfast and my blood sugar dropped. Um, they could either, I would let one of the older kids take over morning time because it's all there. They would know what verse, what, what we're doing. Or um, they would have books available they could start reading or their math could be close by. and they could Because my kids started the day with math. And um, if they, but they, if they didn't finish math before morning time, then they started. So that helped. Number one, it helped when morning time was over, they could finish their math. They, there wasn't a lot of wasting time. And while they're waiting for morning time, which could, to, you know, a lot of factors with mom, you never know when mom's going to come. They're still doing their math. They're not the whole school day isn't just waiting for mom to start morning time. Um, so those are a little few little tricks of what I had. Um, and then, and then we, we, you can narrate what, the things you read, especially if you're the history books. When you get to the good book, you really don't have to narrate necessarily because they, they are actually listening. And <laughs> everybody's like, can you read one more chapter, one more chapter? Because we know that we have to do math after this. So we're going to finish our math lesson. So. Sorry, just out of curiosity, how long was your morning time? Because you're getting up early to do math first. Right. And In the year, in the years when my, it started about eight thirty, and it sometimes go two and two hours.
Uh, I could get through it in two hours once I was organized and, and could do it. Um, I don't suggest that anybody start with a two-hour morning time. I, I suggest that you start organically w- with Bible reading in the morning with your family and some memory work. Add a song and slowly, I mean, if you're reading the, in Bible and reading aloud, I mean, everybody should be reading aloud, as I said in my other session. So that's a good time to do that. If you, these are other, these are all things you can add to morning time. And these are things you can do in morning time. Um, You can, you don't have to memorize this massive amount of stuff that we did in our family. Um, because you could just start with one song or one poem or one scripture. This grew organically from when my, uh, my firstborn son was four years old. Um, th- this is what it became, but it didn't start like this. Um, so, just kind of dedicated a couple of hours, started yeah. the most important things, and then started adding a little bit at a time yeah. through the years, and then eventually yes. came up with the system. Yes, and the thing is... Um, Oh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, well, I, don't, I can't remember what I was going to say. But you, you don't want to overwhelm yourself with starting in the middle of it at full-fledged morning time. You just want to do what you can do. And, 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 and I know what I was going to say. I, over the years, people would come up with all kinds of cool homeschooling things they were doing. They were doing Kono. So they were doing, these are things, uh, they, were, they were great programs, and their families were really successful at them. But I would have to stop morning time in order to do them. And so I'd, al- I'd always be like, I want to do that, I want to do that, I want to do that. And then I'd have to make a decision. And I, always, I never could get rid of morning time. So, yeah, I had to give up a lot of stuff to, get, to have morning time. In the end, I do not regret that one bit. Um, I have friends that went from curriculum to curriculum to curriculum looking for that perfect thing while we just plugged away at morning time. <laughs> and, yeah, I didn't get to do some things that other people did. And, I, and, maybe we, and we didn't have time for some other things that we might have wanted to do. But we have a whole 30 years Oh, I had 30 years. Not everybody actually stayed in my house for 30 years. Some people had the <laughs> audacity to leave my home. But, they, you know, we have all that in the bank that we kept, and we're never going to lose that. I don't think we'll ever lose that. So I think it was the first time I went to the Cersei conference, and I, I really know we're way over time. The first time I went to the Cersei conference, I, it was a classical educators conference, and I'd been doing a very Charlotte Mason thing. And I thought, I'm going to just feel terrible. These people are going to make me feel awful. And I, I came out of there and I thought, I have bet on the right horse. What they're saying is what I've been doing. And I just could not believe that somebody was, I, was, I didn't have to go home and change everything. I was actually helping other people saying, oh, this is how, people would be, well, how do we do this? These are great ideas, blah, blah, blah. What would you do? And I'm like, oh, oh, my goodness, here's what you do. And that was just so wonderful for me because all that time I'm just thinking, oh, these people are doing so much better than me and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. But now I can look back and say, okay, that was, that was worth it. Um, it was, it, the, the one reason it was worth it, it was, it was consistent. A little consistency is better than a big morning time plan that you can't pull off. Just be consistent with a little bit. Don't, if you can't do a lot, do a little. Be, it, it, that would be much better. Um, and so now I'm going to end. Um, maybe. I might not get through this, but I'm going to try to read aloud. This is our fun book of the day, and, um, and we'll read a little bit. Then Paul began to play. This is from Little House in the Big Woods. Again, I can't read it. <laughs> the song about old Grimes. But he did not sing the words he had sung when Ma was making cheese. These words were different. Paul's strong, sweet voice was softly singing. 
Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and the days of old lang syne? The days of old lang syne, my friend, the days of old lang syne. Should old acquaintance be forgot and the days of old lang syne? When the fiddle had stopped singing, Laura called out softly, What are the days of old lang syne, Pa? They are the days of long, a long time ago, Laura, Paul said. Now go to sleep now. But Laura lay awake a little while listening to Paul's fiddle softly playing and to the lonely sound of the wind in the big woods. She looked at Paul sitting on the bench by the hearth, the firelight gleaming on his brown hair and beard glistening on the honey brown fiddle. And she looked at Ma gently rocking and knitting and she thought to herself, this is now. She was glad with the cozy house and Pa and Ma and the firelight and the music were now. They could not be forgotten, she thought, because now is now. It can never be a long time ago, but it can. <laughs> so um, the Lord be with you.